Welcome to Flopography, where we revisit old pop albums that are known by many, not because of their critical or commercial success, but because of their lack thereof. These albums received the designation of flop. But did we give them a fair shake? Hey guys, welcome to uh, season three, episode two of Flopography. Uh, Mike, good to see you again. It's nice to have a regular cadence of seeing your face after too long of not seeing a year, a year, a year. I know. And it's nice to come back today. Um, not to get too far ahead, but I'm excited about the artists. (laughs) Yeah, I know it was, it's Mike's pick today. So you can, uh, you can imagine it's one of what was the tweet we read last week about the, uh, pop girlies, Mike, you like to keep it in that camp. So I'm I'm excited to uh, to review this one uh, with you. And I'm also wearing my Flopography sweatshirt this week. Hoodie. Um, yes, hoodie, I should say. Merch. Uh, and so if you're ever interested in merch, just hit us up on any of our socials. Uh, curious, how was your weekend? I know you're participating in uh, semi-dry January. Do you want to explain to the uh, listeners what, what that exactly means? Yeah, so as of a recording, I... And doing semi-dry January because you know what? Let's be honest. Like I cannot go an entire month without drinking, and my my whole life should be is about moderation, right? And I am definitely coming home from work, not coming home from work. I work from home primarily, but having a glass of wine with dinner, and you know what? Even on this podcast, I usually drink wine. If you guys have noticed, but it's nice to be like, you know what? No, enjoy the drink when you have it on the weekend, and. And honestly, I'm building my tolerance too, which is really nice as well. So rebuilding it. Steve, you're completely dry though. Yeah, I'm well, I'm drinking kombucha right now. I've been, you know, trying some alternative to alcohol between recording these episodes. I've read a book. I'm, you know, trying to find trying to secure a house, trying to have a productive January without alcohol. So well, that's amazing, Steve. I am staying active as always. You guys know I, I'm a cycle bar instructor for fun on the side. And Steve, I was so excited about today's album that I played a song in my class today. And I, I got some good vibes to it. So I think people are going to be excited about this. This week's album is Madonna's Hard Candy. And it is a not only a mic pick, but also, I believe, a request from last season. Yeah. Right? We actually got a few requests for this specific album, and we so excitedly took it on. And I say we, I mean I, um, because y'all have the same taste as I do. And this is a pretty, I don't want to say iconic flop, but it's it's a well-known flop in the pop community. Going into the re-listening of Hard Candy, what's your perspective on Madonna? So Madonna is one of my favorite artists, and I um, would say that, honestly, Hard Candy came right around the time that I started to, she started to pique my interest. Um, Confessions is an album right before Hard Candy, and, you know, I was already intrigued, and this is like peak pop, electro pop era time, and so it came at a time where, you know, I was consuming all of this production and when i found out the producers of this album i was so ecstatic from my perspective i don't listen to madonna frequently i would say you know i respect her hit making abilities i respect her like culture defining moments 
I never really thought her voice was very impressive. I've learned to enjoy artists for their artistry beyond their vocal capability. So I have grown in that respect, but that's always been like fundamentally something that's drawn me to specific artists. And I'm surprised you are such a big fan of hers because I felt like she was like a generation before ours. Um, well, first of all, Steve, we have to acknowledge all the shade you are starting with this podcast with today and the disrespect to Madonna. But um, Madonna, I think... I, I, she is generations before us, but here's the thing about Madonna's career. She has reinvented herself so many times for different generations. Like she was big in the eighties, big in the nineties. She was big in the early two thousands, 2010s. I think that's where she started to have a couple mishaps, but she had some hits, but I think she transcends every single generation. The album was released April 19th, 2008. The type of music that was popular at the time, the top song, according to Billboard, uh, for that year was Low by Flo Rida and T-Pain. Um, that, that was back, I mean, I was in college at the time. So I remember that being a really popular song at, at house parties. Chris Brown had, you know, Blast from the Past, had two songs in the top 10. So hip hop influenced pop and, and that was topping the charts. Also, and not to be remiss, that Lady Gaga and Katy Perry were just in their infancy of the rise of pop stardom, with I Kissed a Girl charting on the year-end Billboard Hot 100, and Just Dance was released April 8th, 2008. So that would be just a week and a half or two before uh, wow. Madonna released Hard Candy. So very That's much a moment in, in pop culture. That is pretty nuts because people you know, always say Lady Gaga has been templated from Madonna, but like, I mean, that, that's pretty crazy that that was so close from Lady Gaga's infancy in her pop career. That's nuts. Madonna, this was her 11th studio album, to your point about reinventing herself. She was 49 years old at the time, and she had previously released Confessions on a Dance Floor in November 2005, which Mike has already shared as one of his favorites. It's on my wall with my favorite pop albums. Amazing. All right. It's time to get into the numbers of Hard Candy by Madonna. The first week sales for Hard Candy were 280,000 and it hit number one on Billboard. We've reviewed actually one of Madonna's other flops, American Life. Mm -hmm. uh, and that flop had 241,000 sales and was also a billboard number one. So about 40K difference. It does not really compare to Confessions of a Dance Floor, which was 350K billboard number one, or Music, which was 420K and a billboard number one. Moving on, the album singles. First, the only two singles to chart on billboard were Four Minutes, which featured Justin Timberlake and Timbaland. Uh, that went number three for 20 weeks. And uh, the Buzz singles, Give It To Me, went number 57 for one week. And then Miles Away, which is in a lot of the reviews regarded as one of the best songs on the album, did not chart. Pop radio really supported Four Minutes going top five. Here's something that I found really interesting. Madonna only has one number one on pop radio. And this one was one of nine top five hits. So uh, four minutes was one of 
nine top five hits on pop radio. So pop radio did embrace Madonna, but I was shocked at, you know, all of her classics did not get the radio support. So that's really interesting, Steve, because I am wondering how old the pop chart specifically is from Billboard, because if, um, if this is accurate, what you're saying, Madonna only second to one artist has the most number ones on the Hot 100 um, list. Give it to me. So after a, a quick break to check the Billboard charts, uh, the pop airplay, the, the earliest dated single from Madonna was from 92, but she's only had one number one since 92. And she had what, Ray of Light since then, um, Confessions of a, on a Dance Floor. The critic score, Hard Candy got a 65 out of 100. It's the second lowest of her career which is a virtual tie with MDNA, which mm. received a 64. <laughs> Confessions on a Dance Floor got an 80 out of 100. And American Life, we reviewed it, got 60 out of 100. So that was actually her lowest rated album, critically. Wow. All right. It's time to get into the analysis of the album. And Mike, we'll start with you. Describe your initial reaction to the album in one word. I'll say the word, you say your word, and then we'll both explain it. All right, <laughs> go ahead. You all go right. first. Urban. Earworm. Okay, all right, earworm. Okay, urban here because the album's very heavily influenced by, I'm going to call it pop hip-hop music. So tell me, I'm actually excited you said earworm. So tell me more about that. In nearly every song, she has like a really catchy chorus that gets stuck in your head. I wrote down some examples. One was from Incredible. Wow. She says, can't get my head around it. I need to think about it. She keeps saying that over and over and it just like kind of got stuck in my head and I had only listened to it a couple of times. In Candy Shop, she repeats sticky and sweet, sticky and sweet. And then the third was get down, beep, beep, got to get up out of your seat and beat goes on. That just kept going, going. A big thing at that time was the, those types of like, almost like psychological earworms that hook you to a song. It was very much like, I, I felt that in this album. So see, we have to talk about the producers, right? Like the producers that she tapped for this album, um, Timbaland is all over it. Pharrell is all over it. Um, Timbaland's protege, Danger. And then Justin Timberlake actually produces too. And Justin Timberlake was one of those two. So those people, by this point in their career, they, they have gotten pop music pat down. When everything goes incredible all is So, Mike, this might be difficult for you, but what was your low moment of the era? So it's not difficult because I definitely don't think there's a lot of originality to this album. And the low moment is the fact that Madonna went with something I felt like was a little templatized from previous artists. And that's vastly different from her entire career. What about you? Right. She's supposed to be the innovator, right? Yes. And she did not innovate this album. She took what she had. So my low moment of the era was actually a song. It was Voices. I think it's the last song on the on the album. Second to last. Who is uh, master? Oh yeah, it's the last one. So that was that was the lyric that really rubbed me the wrong way was who is the master? Who is the slave? It was very troubling to me, especially in 20 
23 that lyric would not fly That's interesting. Uh, yeah additionally are you walking the dog is the dog walking you so all of this okay mind you with the backdrop that this was produced and has vocals from justin timberlake okay mm -hmm. who has a sketchy past with obviously the janet jackson incident and he's been accused of appropriating black culture in a lot of his music you're talking about a master you're talking about a slave I felt like that was just the low moment of yeah. re-listening to this. Justin Timberlake, you said, has a troubled history with that. Interestingly enough, this album was like right followed up um, around the same time Janet Jackson released her Discipline album. All right, Mike, what song should have been a single? Ooh, um, I'm going to say She's Not Me. Now, it's not my one of my oh, favorite. Oh, that was my least favorite what? on the album. Oh, my God. Okay, I just think it's like it's an earworm, you know. It's it's got some good good beats to it, and it's very like disco esque with it. I'm gonna can I give us a follow up though? I, I the other one I actually think would probably done well at the time is beat goes on with. You can't Andre. steal mine, Mike. Okay, you can't well, I'm just on it. Yeah. I'll I'll it's it's a tee up for you. To go to do the layup. So tell me, tell us why it's. You know, um, I had I had a second choice actually because I thought that you would pick "Beat Goes On." Okay, well, go uh, ahead. I think the no-brainer is that at the time in 2008, it's featuring Kanye West. Yeah, uh, and Pharrell has a pretty big presence in that song, which to me was like my favorite part of the song was Pharrell's chorus. The production to me was very radio friendly. The ring of the bells and in, in the in the melody at the beginning. Honestly, in terms of like one track that I really enjoyed that kind of like caught me and I started like bobbing my head to, which is like my kind of what, what triggers me in terms of like that should have been a single is actually yeah, a song yeah. called Heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought like that was really good and it was kind of more subtle. I think it was GP friendly. I felt like the production overall was pretty good. That to me was almost overshadowing Madonna and some of the some of the tracks. It's a very produced album. Like there, this is not like American Life that we reviewed. Was it last season maybe or a couple seasons ago? Was, I think it was last season. Wow. It's quite the opposite. It's very produced, very pop unabashedly. Um what I will say, um my favorite track that you mentioned earlier Steve is incredible. That's like my, it's it's a deep cut, but it's not meant to be a single, but Incredible is just so like melodic. It's kind of has a tinge of sadness to it, but there's a lot of songs in the Neptune's production produces tracks like Pharrell um, where it starts off one way and then it ends another way, right? And like, that's like Heartbeat, Incredible. They all have these different melodies that come out at the end of it that just kind of shock you. And Incredible is just so textured and layered in that way it's a, it's incredible what age the best mike that's a very good question do you want me to go first yeah i'll let you go first because i have okay. to on that. i felt like a pop album that was just meant to like go hard have fun no true ballads the producer of gaga's chromatica in 2020 which which proves out that this aged well says on Chromatica, there are no ballads. So you can see this like showing up in today's landscape. Now, because of that, it didn't innovate. It didn't change the game the way Madonna has in the past. But I think she probably saw the way American life was received and went with something a little bit more manufactured and like fun. 
So I thought that aged well. I honestly think what aged best is, and I'm going to attach it to a track, is four minutes. That track went number three, as you said, but I, it actually caught on with people and at my age group back in high school. Like, it, it people were, were in it. And it was interesting because Madonna didn't have the same star power as maybe as Chris Brown did at this time. Rihanna, um, all these artists that were really popular and the fact that this song was actually, people were bopping to it, younger people, I think that's age best. And it probably gave her some more longevity in her career than she maybe would have had otherwise. Jenny's been humming tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock all day. That's such a good song. I played it in class today. That was the one I played in class today, y'all. <laughs> so one thing to me that didn't age well was the songs felt a little bloated. And what I mean by that is they lacked like this clear destination point. And I felt like they could have been wrapped up tidier. It's clear many of these songs obviously were made pre-streaming era. I felt they were really good, but she didn't need, she needed to kind of keep them in a tight package. They lingered. For example, Incredible goes two minutes too long. There's some beauty in what you just said in that I can see Madonna, this was Madonna as well. She selects a couple of producers, stays with those producers, um, and just has fun with it, right? And like the, you can tell they actually were all feeling it and were very cohesive in that. So I think that's why it got a bit longer because this is a jam session. But for me, what hasn't aged well is I think this is the first step in Madonna's career where she started to go backwards a bit more and was trying to hold on to the fountain of youth in terms of like catching up with trends. And veering off from being the person who has always paved the path forward. Um, I want to say though, like this is not an ageist comment. Like I think she's done so good um, at being and owning her sexuality and at her age. And even in this album cover, right? If you look at it, she has her legs spread apart and she's dressed in like some, you know, tight clothing, like a boxer. Like I think the fact that she was trying to claim on, hang on for trends like this has not aged well. And and I'll then lead into my rationale for what went wrong because it's related to that. Uh-oh. I think my rationale for what went wrong was her age. I think she people and oh. I'm I'm saying that as like my rationale for what went wrong is that people were ageist at this time, which is probably why like after four minutes she didn't have another radio hit. I um, pulled a review from Entertainment Weekly to a quote that speaks to this too. It says, between the fountain of youth alliances and hookups with hip hop kingpins, we know what you're thinking. Just how massive is this midlife crisis of hers? Wow. That is so, was that in the UK? I feel like UK is always hard. No, Entertainment Weekly US. So horrible. And, you know, Steve, I think what didn't help with this is there was a lot of controversy. I remember because I used to be an avid reader of PerezHilton.com, um, but there was an album cover, like a whole photo shoot of unedited photos of Madonna. And this is like when she really started, like I think looking her age, this era. And people were just like, again, here she is on this photo looking sexy and younger than she is. And it didn't help that entire situation of ageism in the comments. Totally. And I think my other point about the rationale for what went wrong is I believe like, and I read this in a couple of reviews as well, that she waited too long to work with Pharrell, Timbaland, Justin Timberlake, 
And from like JT to JLo to 50 Cent, Timbaland was already this like producer of so many hits, uh, making the album feel like a bit late uh, to your point earlier. And this is another point that I found really interesting as going back into like Spotify and streaming her songs. Give It To Me is the most streamed track, uh, which is on on the whole album with 37 million streams. And that's really telling of the longevity of the album, which is like, I think a factor in us rating whether this is, was a flop or not. I was shocked at the fact that Madonna and Justin Timberlake's top five hit only has 37 million streams. Let me put that into perspective for you, Mike. For comparison, Mariah Carey's Touch My Body, which was number 22 on Billboard's year end. The same and, year. Yeah. And so that was released the same year, number 22. And Madonna was 23 on the Billboard year end with four minutes. And I also pulled Pink's So What total streams because that was number 24 mm-hmm. year end. So Madonna's in the middle at 23. Pink at 24, Mariah at 22. Mariah's Touch My Body has 142 million streams. And Pink So What has 40, 467 million streams. Wow. Madonna's has 37. Mm. Talk about longevity. It, it just doesn't have it. No, it doesn't. And, and, and you know, Steve, I think this is no surprise that what went wrong with mine is just, you know, the templated production. And, you know... She started recording the album in 2007. And let's take a look at what happened in 2007. Britney's Blackout was released. And she used two producers from this album for Blackout. Danja, who is a phenomenal producer. Um, and Neptune did a couple tracks. And then she, I think, just one maybe. But anyways, Madonna was riding the coattails of Britney there. But let's take it back even further. 2006, Nelly Furtado, the resurgence of Timbaland with tracks with... Justin Timberlake. So it, it was very delayed and she took a long time recording it. At the same time, um, I think she perfected what the other, you know, had done already and took a little bit extra shiny. All right. It's time for our fan perspective on Madonna's Hard Candy. The first tweet, Mike, says Hard Candy is a good album, one of her best, but I hate the mixing on it. And it's not very unpopular, but the mixing of Madonna's track since HC, which is hard candy, is getting worse. Mm. Mike, do you have a reaction to that? Um, I can actually see that being very true, to be honest. Um, um, That fan, unfortunately, is right. All right, next up. This is uh, by Ollie. It says, I remember listening to Madonna's hard candy in our old Mercedes and not knowing any word to four minutes, but the TikTok, 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 and Timbaland saying breakdown, which is very true because Jenny was singing TikTok all evening before we recorded today. That song came out after TikTok, TikTok by Gwen Stefani, right? That's so funny. I'd have to look back, but I'm surprised that that hasn't gone viral on TikTok. (laughs) If you need a hit, put TikTok in it. TikTok by Kesha. (laughs) All right. The last tweet uh, by Travis Dean is revisiting Madonna's hard candy album. The breakdowns on each track are kind of it. Pharrell went in and I totally forgot about it. Glad I circled back. I love the breakdowns. Pharrell, honestly... To be honest, I feel like because Pharrell started the production and then Timbaland and Danger added on later on. But Pharrell was, I think, probably the saving grace on the album's tracks with his production. 
he never does it wrong. All right, Mike, it's time for our 2023 review of Madonna's Hard Candy. Uh, Flop or not? The tracks are hot on this album, but it's a flop in the sense that, yes, I know, Steve, if you were watching the video version, Steve is gasping right now. Um, It's a flop simply from the perspective of her career and the quality of this album in its it's her discography it's the album where she started to go south and was looking backwards that said when madonna goes backwards and takes trends she does them even better mostly because she has that 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 hook you know she has she knows exactly what to do in pop music um the album again is really good so i would encourage you all to listen to it but take it for what it is it's just an overproduced album um of pop perfection but it is a bit dated in terms of the production value itself. You didn't expect that, did you now? No, I definitely thought you were going to say it isn't a flop because (laughs) I am going with this is not a flop. Okay, well, look at this. Okay, we've been season poking at me the entire show. So you would have never expected- Just changed his review. responses, yeah. (laughs) So after reviewing the album, and especially like after also doing American Life last season, mm-hmm. like to me, this is definitely a step in the right direction for Madonna. At the time, she ditched the heady message and just kind of went all in for a fun album. And I actually enjoyed it um, in comparison to some of the other albums we've reviewed around that time. I'm not a big Madonna fan. So like that was I like I enjoyed the album. I had I it wasn't like a painful listen for me. Uh, yeah. and, and some of the other ones were. Now, was it game-changing? No. no. But it didn't have like awful commercial sales. It was still it still went number one. It had a decent longevity on the charts. It had four minutes. The streaming numbers aren't there now to show the longevity. But I think overall, I would say this wasn't a total flop by Madonna. That's really interesting. I love to hear it. Um, it's a commercialized album. But again, you know, for all you Madonna fans... You know, I think we all look to this as when she started to go backwards. But Steve, to your point, like, I think Madonna does shine when she just it stops trying to take herself too seriously. And I think after Ray of Light, there's been a few times where she tried to take herself too seriously. I think of American Life. Um, I think of her her latest album. Um, oh, my God, the name is escaping me. Um, but she is, she does best when she just has fun. And this album, she definitely does have fun. I, albeit, it just was the wrong audio and wrong production quality for the time. By the way, Mike, I, one follow-up question. Are you excited for her biopic? Oh, yes, totally. I mean, if it's anything, Whitney's biopic, which was really good. Like, I think they did it well. And then we're in retreat. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to season uh, three, episode two of Flopography, mm-hmm. Madonna's Hard Candy. Uh, and Mike has a few words before we sign off for. Yeah. For so until next time, again, follow us on social media at Flogger, Pop Flography Podcast. Um, if you are listening to us on Spotify, you can also find us on YouTube right there. If you are on YouTube, like comment and subscribe to the video. Um, we love engaging back with you all. We, we definitely like to reply to your comments. Um, a little uh, healthy debate is always welcomed as well. Um, if you would like to get a hold of us, uh, go to anger.fm slash flopography podcast. All of our information is there. 
um, in terms of how to find us. Also, flopographypodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us a voice note, we will definitely include it in the episode. And we love doing that. So please go ahead and do that. And thank you again for all of your support.